Our next guest, you remember from movies like Go, The Hills Have Eyes, Replicate, uh, TV shows like Roswell, one of my favorites. Uh, he was on an episode of NCIS, The Fugitive with Tim Daly. Please welcome Desmond Askew to Mark 2.0. Good evening. Thank you so much for being here. And be sure to subscribe so you can hear more podcasts and learn more from actors and musicians. I'm going to throw it over to Brian to start this thing yeah. out. So Desmond, great yeah. to great to have you. Thanks Thank for you. being here today. So um, uh, I've always had this like desire, this crazy desire to go to London since I was a little kid. It's just from my perspective, just so grand, you know, and and it's larger than life seeing it on TV from here. And is, is that where you grew up? I did, yeah. I mean, I grew up in the suburbs of London, but still part of London. I mean, it's just this sprawling city. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was. I went to school there. So from 11 years old, I was taking the subway from the suburbs deep into the heart of the city. And yeah, you just don't appreciate it at the time, but uh, it, it is a fantastic place. My wife and I were last there just before the pandemic. Um, it's changed, but it's still the same. You know, it still has the same heart, the same character. It, you know, I'd be going past places that, that wasn't there before. This doesn't look the same. But mm. then, you know, I go to an old theater and, uh, and say like, oh, yeah, that was my dressing room when I was doing Les Miserables. Or, you know, I'd know my window of my dressing room. And That's awesome. You know, the first thing that really jumps out at me is that you were allowed at 11 to venture out way deep into London. And, and when I was a kid, I remember that I was allowed to go way out into the neighborhoods and stuff, but things really aren't like that anymore for me or my kids here, really. Is, is that about the same out there? I would guess so. But I, I would also say that in terms of uh, safety, I think the, the center of London, I feel safe. If, if my wife had to walk somewhere at night or something, mm -hmm. I feel safer in the center than I do in the suburbs because there is so much police presence. There's so many cameras. And, mm. uh, it, it really does feel, you know, you can be out late at night in London and, and myself personally, I feel very safe. I, I don't feel like there's uh, anything too nasty going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that about describes it for us too. So were your parents born also yes both born in london and uh yeah they they got together very young they had their their first kid at uh, 21 i think they were and i came along you know i was the fourth one so i came along about nine years later so um you you grew up in london you're still in london no, no, I'm in Los Angeles right now. Oh, wow, wow. So you went to school in London. I did, yeah. Uh, how you went through, all the way through high school and college even? Maybe? Uh, well, no, I left school actually when I graduated at 16. So oh. my high school was uh, a private drama school. I was offered a place there. At the, we changed schools at 11, so our high school kind of begins at that time. And uh, at the time, I was offered, uh, basically, I'd been missing a lot of time from school uh, with, with doing commercials, doing TV shows. And, and so my principal was getting a little concerned and mentioned it <laughs> to my mom. And at the time, there was a, a public uh, system 
whereby every child at 11 years old, <clears throat> excuse me, every child took uh, an exam called the 11 plus. And uh, if you were one of the top 2% uh, of the, the results, you were offered a place in, in a fantastic school. These, these were state-run schools, but they were as good or better than the private schools of the time. And so in order to uh, placate my principal, my mom had me take the exam. I mean, it was voluntary, but uh, my mom said, you should take it and see if you're falling behind and how far you're falling behind. And I actually passed the exam. And so I was offered this place in, in the, what were called grammar schools. And I really didn't want to go because as soon as I found out that like, this is serious education, uh, you know, you need to pick, book your dental appointments two weeks in advance and such. And mm. so I was, I was really dubious about going there, even though I knew it was a fantastic opportunity. But at the same time, I was offered a place in this uh, a scholarship uh, to a private drama school. And I had already decided uh, even a couple of years before that, that this is what I want to do with my life. And so I had these two amazing opportunities. And I couldn't, I mean, my heart at that age was saying, I just want to go to the local comprehensive school with my buddies. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss them. Uh, but uh, I did, my parents sat me down and said, look, you got these two fantastic opportunities that will define the rest of your life. You really shouldn't pass them both up. And so I decided I wanted to go to the drama school and spent five years there and graduated at 16. And then I got a TV show in England. So college never really entered the equation. I, I just, after that, I mean, I, I wanted to be, I, I wanted to be educated, but from that point on, it was just really reading books. <laughs> You know, it, it keeps coming up on our show. Whoever seems to end up in these high schools that are more, uh, you know, enter, I, I don't want to say entertainment, like uh, art, arts-based mm -hmm. schools, um, I would tell our viewers, if you can get into one of these schools, it is definitely a shot forward. Uh, how, how, how would you say people could get into there? What, what do you need? Uh, well, this and mine came about from uh, actually joining an agency. I was eight years old when my mom, my mom and dad were both working. And uh, my mom, I guess, had some level of guilt that they couldn't do the extracurricular things. You know, they, they were too busy working to take us to whatever, uh, karate or soccer or whatever it may have been. And so she saw an ad in the local paper that an, a children's agency was looking for boys of my age. They said there'd be modeling work or commercials or this kind of thing. And so I joined the agency at eight years old and the owner of the agency had also set up this school around the same time. And I mean, it was tiny, it was in a, a, a 17th century church uh, that had wow. been somewhat converted and there were only 120 students. And so, I mean, as for being able to get in, my, my uh, door was kind of open to me. But, but I would say, you know, just do your research and, and work hard and, and try to be noticed as much as you can. Hmm. 
It, well, it didn't hurt having parents that were behind yeah. you. It sounded like your I parents were. Cheers as well. <laughs> cheers, cheers, please. Yes. Yeah, it, it it sounds like, and we find this a lot too, that we have like a great mom or dad really behind, you know, and it sounds like your parents are very hardworking and, you know, to, to it's not easy to make a living. <laughs> And they were good enough to say, okay, you like this, you know, and help you propel forward. Well, in that. My dad, actually, he used to work nights. Wow. So he would work during the night and then come home from work early in the morning, take us to school and then go mm. to bed while my mum went to work her job during the day. And then when she came home, he'd go out at night. And so it was that they, I really don't know how they even conceived that they would have the time to support myself and my younger brother also used to do it. But uh, but my dad would literally sometimes come in from a 12-hour shift in work and take me to a commercial shoot or something. And he'd be dozing off, you know, in the corner. Yeah. But yeah. That, would, that was their support for us. And I think that really helps, you know, yeah. obviously when you're a child actor. Oh, bless their heart. You were lucky to have them. That's awesome. So, so, uh, you, you're, you're in school and what did you, what were the big takeaways you got from that, that the time at that school really that helped your career? Uh, I mean, I think just the, the basics of, uh, uh how to be a good member of the, the crew, the, the project that there were things that, uh, you know, as far as the, internally the acting side of things I think I kind of had a pretty good handle on it I always like to play pretend games and things like that but just knowing uh why a director would want me to look this way or to raise or lower my voice or how your performance would be affected by you know a really tight camera angle or if you you know that performance has to be big mm -hmm. if it's in the wide shot and um, just just the, the the technique, I guess, is what I learned. More it's fascinating that. to me. I would I would never get sick of learning about that kind of stuff. It's just I love the entertainment stuff. In fact, <clears throat> now I want to kind of keep things in a timeline if I can. But my notes, I see you're in. Well, in my time, I remember Wham being a huge, huge. I mean, yeah. in my high school, exploded with with that. And I see uh, the Wham video, Bad Boys, was it? That was the one, yeah. <laughs> well, I kind of want you to go into what you did after school, but go ahead. If I if I skipped over something good, fill it in. Uh, well, I mean, the, the Wham thing is a, a fantastic story because my George Michael was uh, English of Greek parents. Mm. And so in Greece, they were so proud of his achievements, and rightly so. I mean, the guy was phenomenal. But when I met my wife, uh, she, we were together probably almost two years before, and I knew she liked George Michael, but I didn't know how much he had meant to her because she's Greek. She grew up in Athens. And I had no idea about his Greek heritage at all until just now. His name is, uh, Yorgios, uh, Anna, I, I don't even know. I could call <laughs> her, tell me that his date of birth. Wow. Is wow. That's, but, uh, yeah, so. <clears throat> we've been dating or I think maybe we were married yes we were married and and he came to LA to do a 25th anniversary concert of, of mm. the start of his career and I managed to get backstage passes and to introduce them and she's still 
thinks it's the greatest day of her life. But um, oh, wow, yeah, he was like probably I, I, you couldn't get much bigger. No, he got not at to all. be like almost nice. like Madonna or something oh, yeah. that big, you know. He was he he cast me in that video because he'd seen me in a commercial in the UK, mm. and the first thing he said, I mean, this band is just blowing up. They're huge. I had a teenage sister at the time. Uh, I mean, my sister was a teenager at the time, and she was a huge fan of them. And the first thing, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, first thing he came up to me and said is like, "Thank you for being here." He's like, "We're, mm. we're this video is is the big one." He said, "You know, we're we're trying to." To, to make our names and you're more famous than us and I was you know <laughs> an old boy and, it, and I thought that was the sweetest thing of him to say he's such a nice guy that is awesome well who, who's bigger than that maybe I don't know Paul McCartney I think maybe yes, yeah. the only person I can think of why don't you tell us about that <laughs> between scenes of his movie mm. so just to keep us entertained once again another great guy that he, you know, while they're setting up shots and changing lighting and all the rest of it, he could have quite easily walked off set back to his big trailer. But no, he thought, I'll, I'll keep the kids engaged, <laughs> I'll keep them entertained. So I know how to play. I don't play any instruments, but I know how to play chopsticks, thanks to Mr. McCartney. <laughs> wow. How did you end up on that? That is amazing. Uh, well, I think that was actually my uh, my younger brother probably got me that job. They they wanted two brothers, and Linda McCartney, Paul's first wife, uh, I think, absolutely fell in love with my little brother at the audition. Mm. He was uh, he. I was the professional one. Uh, but Nikki had bags of character, and so <laughs> he was just I, I don't know something some naughty thing happened and my brother couldn't stop giggling and I, I'm kind of <laughs> a professional dude and uh, no but he just he, he really charmed Linda McCartney and so mm. we ended up with that job so those are basically your earliest jobs or uh, yeah pretty much I mean my yeah. first ever job was actually a, a photographic a billboard ad mm. and uh, and this was when I discovered that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life because the, uh, the billboard yeah. was a, a period piece of a family crowding around their first black and white TV, uh, awaiting the first ever broadcast. And they've got this big supper spread, sandwiches and cakes and everything. And I guess I was the kid who had snuck off and I'm tucking into one of the cakes. And mm. so all day I just had to eat cake and I had the photographer you know saying like that's great there's more of that more of that. <laughs> I'm getting paid to eat cake and being told I'm very good at it this is uh, <laughs> wow. <for> me. <laughs> so that's when you knew you wanted to be an actor I think that that was the moment it first uh, planted the seed yeah oh that's great what about going, coming to LA? What brought you, or brought, what brought you to the U.S.? Did you go to L.A. first? I did. Yeah, I, I'd never been to the U.S. even for a visit, but uh, my agent had a request for me to audition for the movie Go. No, and so I auditioned. I'd, I'd literally just come back. I, I'd been working away doing uh, provincial theatre and came back to London and there was this script on my doormat and I opened it up uh, and yeah. it just looked fantastic from- Oh, uh, it really was a great movie. This yeah. is the coolest script. Uh, 
and they said we want you to audition on tape uh so i would go i mean once again my my drama school were very very even though i'd left at this point actually i was teaching there once i left mm -hmm. I, I took a job as a teacher and uh but the mm -hmm. agents the school were fantastic and said well you know we'll get a reader for you we'll we'll you can go into one of the studios and take your audition um and I did, and the director, Doug Lyman, liked my audition, but had some notes for me. And so with the time difference, he's working during the day. So he'd be calling me kind of when he finished oh, okay. at maybe 6 p.m. So it's uh, you know, 2 a.m. in England. Um, but I would wait up for the call and gave me some direction and said, can you send another tape? And so I did. And he was still interested, but not quite convinced. And so we kind of decided amongst us that maybe I should just get on a plane and come out there and you can direct me in person, as opposed to just kind of directing me on the phone that I make a new tape. There was no Zoom back then. Oh, yeah. That's so, smart. Uh, yeah, so, so we, I got on a plane and I came out and I met him and the producers. And uh, from there, uh, you know, I booked a job. Job, and then the casting director said you should be here you know there, there's mm. work here for you um, you should think about moving and so I didn't really have any ties at home and so I sold my house and moved here the next spring what year is this this was that uh, we shot the movie in 98 and I moved here in 99 mm. so I, I came out for pilot season because I thought but if I'm going to be moving out towards the end of 99, I better have a job. So I came out in the spring of 99 and did all the pilot auditions and, and booked a pilot. And so I thought, well, okay, now I can eat. <laughs> what was the first pilot that you booked? It was a show called Then Came You. It was on ABC. Mm. Uh, about, uh, it's like a, what they call a May to December, May, December romance. So mm. the, there was an older woman and a younger guy and I played the guy's best friend. It was oh. a scene. Yeah. yeah. Did Roswell come right after that? Because I got to tell you, I that's how I found you was from Roswell. I was a diehard fan. I had the T-shirt. I had the poster. You know, I was <laughs> all in on it. <laughs> the really yeah. passionate fans. Yeah. Well, talk about talk in detail about Roswell. Was it filmed at Paramount, was it? Uh, mostly, yeah. But we okay. did a lot of stuff on location as well out in uh, West Covina. Which oh, is okay. Maybe thirty miles uh, east of LA. Yeah, I lived in LA for ten years. I know exactly oh. where it is. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, with that, that came along because uh, Fox. Uh, actually, the show then came you was for ABC, but it was mm -hmm. made by Fox. So we yeah. were on the Fox lot here along the west side, and uh, they didn't know if the show was going to be a hit or how big it might be. And so I signed basically a backup deal that if this show didn't work and if it didn't go on to succeed, that I would still be contracted to Fox wow. uh, either way. And so when the show, the show lasted, you know, like half a season, they decided it's, you know, it's not really gaining any traction. And so they said, we're not going to do a second season. But we have this for you, Desmond. And so I went in and met with uh, Jason Katims and uh, we, we got along very well. I actually knew his writing partner through a, a, a personal contact. I'd met him through, a, he was like a friend of a friend now. Mm. 
And uh, so then, yeah, the role, I don't know if it was initially meant to be a recurring role, but uh, I did that first episode and then, you know, every, every couple of episodes they'd ask me back and it was a, a good time. Is it common to get a backup deal like you did or is this a special uh, case? I, I, I don't think it's common, but it's not necessarily uncommon. I, I think the development people at the studios are, if they see that maybe they don't have the perfect vehicle for someone, but they, they lack that actor. I mean, I've, I've heard of other people it happening, but yeah, it, it's not really common. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's common. I'm still amazed at how like you're filming on a Fox lot for ABC and I'm like, how do you guys keep all that straight and stuff? Well, I mean, that was the thing, even the, uh, even when we were filming at Paramount for Roswell, but it wasn't for a, a Paramount, it wasn't for a Vivendi network, you know, it, it was for Warner WB. Park. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. That's great. WB. Sometimes one particular uh, network, their studio may be a bit full or, you know, there's, maybe another studio comes in and offers to do it at a better price than they could manage themselves. So, so they, they work together pretty well a lot of the time. I remember now that time, that's when the WB had a lot of new stuff flying out of oh, it yeah. on TV and it had yeah. really launched on TV in a major way. And now I remember that show being on uh, and um, I remember I didn't watch it and I'm not sure why was it was it about like the other Roswell UFO things like that is that was that the main subject matter of that show uh well it was essentially that these the, the three lead kids were were aliens or were part alien mm. and uh, they had these powers but they didn't know where they had come from they didn't kind of know their history and so they, uh, yeah. history kind of caught up with them, was, was finding them. And so, and intermingled with some teen romance and teen angst. Uh, and it, I think it was a really good show. I mean, I it think was. Now I actually remember watching some of them now that you've uh, freshened my memory. Yeah, that was a really good show. That ran for a while, didn't it? Three seasons, uh, wasn't it? Oh, wow. Three seasons, yeah. Wow, very But nice. it's on Hulu and Tubi. I mean, so it still has a huge cult following, you know? Yes, yeah. I, I think they they even did a remake recently, maybe. They did, yeah. Years ago. I don't know. how. I really, honestly, I got to confess, I really don't watch much TV. But, uh, but I was aware that they were doing a remake. I know some of the cast said it was a little too soon. I, I'd seen Mahandra was saying on Instagram, it was a little too soon to remake it. In her opinion. I can understand that. I mean, it, I feel the same way about, you know, they'll do a whole kind of series of, of Superman or Spider-Man or something. So, okay, now relax for 20 years before you bring this. Yeah. No, now we've got a new Superman two years later. Um, it's just, I don't know, I, I do think that people, that nostalgia needs time to build for people to, you know, after uh christopher reeve was superman you know it was a long time before another superman came along um it's i i think that that makes people more kind of anticipatory like really looking forward to this rather than there is always a superman movie either being made yeah. or in theaters or on tv uh, i 
you know, I, I prefer a little more of a gap. So I like to miss something. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. And you know what? I still remember, and I don't remember the other guys, the first time that Christopher Reeve picked up off of that ice and started <laughs> flying. And I was like, huh? yeah. I was just like, yeah. oh my gosh, you know, and you're right. They should not reset that again and again. You know, it just, it, it drives, you know, and now there's that Spider-Man movie where they bring all those resets into some kind of multiverse thing. Well, they had to do something, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I've lost track of it now. I used to think back, back in the day, I probably knew quite a lot about superheroes, but it's changed. Everything is moving so quickly now that I don't know the relationships. Now they all know each other. Yeah. So you, you would never see Batman in a Superman movie or vice versa. But yeah, it's all changed. Yeah, I kind of watching all those. <laughs> I got lost and I said, ah, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure you, you say you're teaching actually. I mean, how, how is that going? What's your setup? What do you, how do you well, do that? Well, not, not right now. I'm not teaching. I'm doing something completely different right now. But, uh, but yeah, when I left the school, uh, my acting school, I was, I did a TV show for four years. And then when that ended, you know, I, I kind of aged out of it because it was a high school drama. Mm. And uh, when it finished, you know, I'm, kind of thinking, well, what's next? Um, and I would book uh, theatre jobs once or twice a year for maybe go away for six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. But the rest of the year, there wasn't anything immediate for me. And so mm. the prince of the school principal said to me, well, why don't you come here and teach for me? I think you could offer a lot to the current crop of kids. Um, one of my proudest moments was when uh, one of the kids I taught actually won a BAFTA, which is the, you know, the British version of the Oscars or the Golden Globes. I mean, because oh. film and television, but uh, yeah. So oh, a kid, that is quite an achievement. How proud you must be. Well, I, I sat on the scholarship board as well for the, the incoming. She was, she's a fantastic woman, Sylvia Young, and she would... Oh. Uh, give away uh, in my time it was only one but I think it grew but she would give away scholarships to kids who could not afford to pay for this school but who she believed had talent and so there would be you know a, a dancer on the board there would be an actor on the board there would be a singer on the board and some of the staff of the school uh, and we would watch these kids audition and say who we thought had the best shot to you know, at, at a successful career. Mm. And I saw this kid and he was maybe 12 years old or something. And I thought he's fantastic. And I really, really pushed for him. And then by the time he was 16, he'd won a BAFTA. So I thought, well, I, my judgment is good at least. <laughs> wow, wow. And, uh, you know, it's so nice of you to be a mentor. I mean, it's, you have such a great fun demeanor and you know, you look like you'd be a really fun teacher. Yeah, those those days teaching the kid, we had so much fun. And, and the classes that would range from four-year-olds up to 18-year-olds. Uh, I would just die of cuteness. I wouldn't be able to pay attention. Yeah, yeah I mean. It's, oh, my gosh, four-year-old actors. That would just be like. <laughs> Do you still have a mentor you turn to? Pardon me? Do you still have a mentor that you turn to? Uh, I'd say pretty much my wife, her judgment is, is spot on all the time. So I don't, good answer. 
Yeah. But yeah, I'm, 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 <laughs> she's the, the love of my life. There she is up there. She's, yeah. <laughs> she's always watching over me. Yeah, she is. <laughs> yeah. What about auditions? Did you have any auditions that stood out to you? So tell us an experience where you won a role and it was a really great audition. Uh, hmm. Well, I mean, I will say that the, uh, the, the Go audition was kind of bizarre in a way that uh, I had learned, you know, I think two or three scenes were the audition scenes. Um, <clears throat> so as I say, after, after sending two tapes, um, I always try to be off book for my audition. I don't want to be distracted with pages. And so I knew them very, very well. And I obviously went over them on the plane ride over. And, and then Doug Lyman just completely threw me for a loop when he said, okay, the sex scene. Is, uh, I'd like you to do that. And there's no dialogue in it. It's literally simulating orgasm. And I, <laughs> this was my, I, I'd been in LA, I'd been in America for less than a day. Yeah. <clears throat> office in, oh boy. on the Sunset Strip with the Hollywood Hills showing through the window. And, uh, and that was what I and had. And how do we welcome you? With a section. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Welcome to Hollywood. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. Uh, so, uh, Mark, I think you were going to ask more about the movie Go, right? Yeah. Tell us in detail what the movie Go was like, because it still has a cult following. And is that where you're most recognized from, or is it something uh, else? And the audition for this was really, a, is there more to that story? No, no, no. I mean, okay. I just did my okay. best. Um, mm -hmm. And it was just, I think it was just Doug kind of uh, spitball. Like, okay, I can see he can play a scene. He can, mm. How embarrassed is he going to be in that yes. situation? Um, mm -hmm. That kind of thing. So, so it made sense for him to ask me to do it. But it was yeah. very bizarre after with jet lag. And like I say, this view of the Hollywood Hills right behind him and the, out of these huge windows. Uh, Mm. it's strange what are you most recognized for you figure uh probably either go or roswell mm. uh, yeah not, not the hills have eyes i actually had to work mm. oh that's right yeah <laughs> people don't stop me in the street and say are oh, you big brain and i'm pretty glad about that replicate was a real fun movie too but uh, do, is it that people haven't seen it or what what do you I think, think probably yeah i think that's probably the case that uh and it's i just think my character maybe was although a lot of fun less outstanding should we say i mean oh i see what you're saying regular yeah. guy stuff he's, he's drinking beer and he's chasing women and he's with go i think the uh the the character himself was was very memorable no matter who had played him sure and then i think with roswell it's just that the fans are so passionate i mean that that's the one that is the the teenage shows teenage sci-fi uh and horror are just a different level of fans <laughs> they, they i mean they know everything about the actors they know everything about the characters there were people sending me fan fiction. Mm. And I'm very well written as well, but, you know, essentially short books, novellas about my character, oh, and where they go. Or, 
And I mean, it's incredible to be that deeply involved, but, but they really are passionate. And it, it's very heartening, you know, to get people that are, I mean, I had someone come up to me actually regarding Go, uh, maybe, I don't know, five or 10 years after it was released. And he comes up, uh, you know, oh, I love that movie. And I thought you were great. And so, but you got to tell me something. Why did you throw the gun out of the window? It had your fingerprints <laughs> on it. I'm like, well, it was in the screen. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, gosh. The people, oh, they, I don't know. Are, are they asking sarcastically sometimes? I don't know, you know. I, I honestly don't think this guy was. I think he honestly thought this is like my body screwing up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The Hills Have Eyes. That, that movie will stick with you. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh! You know that 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 brings back some. That was like, uh, does that have still have a fan base? I bet you it does, huh? I think so. I mean, I don't really follow <clears throat> the, the mm. kind of uh, once I'm done with work, I kind of wash my hands or in yeah. that scrub uh, body of makeup. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I but but I think so. I mean, I, once again, the horror fan. I went to a convention, uh, Fangoria, the horror magazine, had a convention in Chicago. Mm. Oh, boy. Um, um, I mean, there are just so many people there uh, and so passionate once again. As I say, the, the sci-fi and horror fans are just a different level. Oh, sure. Yeah, I bought so much Star Trek junk, I swear to God. Well, speaking of, uh, speaking of next level uh, fans, we're going to go into gamers now. And you are the first person we've talked to who's been introduced or, or who's been involved rather in the in, you know, video game industry, which is surpassing everything yes. quickly. So uh, can you kind of start at the beginning on how you got started in that? Uh, well, I just, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a friend of mine who worked at Disney said that I should be moving into the, the voice acting, uh, you know, that I, I used to do voiceovers back in England because the difference is it's such a smaller market out there that you kind of have to do everything. I mean, Judy Dench was in a sitcom in England. Mm -hmm. This is an actress who doesn't need to be doing television. Mm -hmm. But this is just the way it works. You'll see big, successful and great actors in a commercial or on a, on a sitcom or then they'll be in theaters in an Oscar winning movie. But so I was used to kind of doing a little of everything uh, and theater as well. And, and when I came here, it was more what was how it was explained to me was that you have your movie actors, you have your TV actors, you have your theater actors, you have your voiceover artists. Um, but like I say, after a few years of being here, my friend at Disney said, you really should move into voice acting as well. Um, so she got me a meeting with my voiceover agency who are absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I just kind of got so lucky with them even representing me because they have some fantastic talent but but I went in there and they agreed to take me on and represent me and and then it was the kind of beginning of what is now everything is audition at home now 
But back then, it was already happening, pre-pandemic, mm. pre-Zoom. So I bought myself a, you know, a microphone and a, an interface and started recording these auditions. More than anything else, I don't have that voice quality to be a kind of, you know, like, there's this, I'm not really a commercial voice, but the, my acting experience, they, they really responded to in the gaming world because there's, there's a lot of intense scenes. Mm -hmm. You don't have the advantage of the, you know, the set and the, the props and the costumes and even the other actors. So you got to kind of manufacture that just mm -hmm. in front of the microphone. And so I think uh, I give a lot of credit to the video game industry that they, they really were very focused on the quality of the acting as opposed to, you know, whether it was a big name or whether something that would, uh, or a, a specific voice or something like that. They, they really did, you know, they, they, these would be, I still think now, I, I think some of the, the scripts for video games surpass movies nowadays. Mm. I mean, I, I think they're incredible, the detail that goes into them. And it is not linear. There's not a beginning, a middle and an end. It depends on the player. So you're recording every possible end, every possible uh, turn that this plot could take due to the player. In fact, like Halo just went backwards and went from a game into that uh, TV series realm, Halo. Oh, right. Yes, exactly. That popular game. I'm like, oh, well, look, it's actually going the other way on this, which was, I don't know, which was actually very good. So, um, gosh, let's see. Bioshock 2, Resident Evil, Operation Raccoon City. What are all these? There's so many here. I, apparently, the computers can't get your voice right, can they? <laughs> <laughs> but there's no physical uh -huh. actors, right? <clears throat> there's they no one. They, except for the guy with the tennis balls on him, right? <laughs> Everything will be CG. Oh, well, I've done that as well. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. What was that that's like? That <laughs> <is>. <laughs> You're just in a huge green room. With, as you say, the, the ping pong balls all over your suit um, and, you know, eye lines for other actors. There's, there's almost no physical interaction in those things. And they're literally, it's just performance capture. Mm -hmm. And the other actors, they'll be added in with their performance later on. So it, it's, a, it's a whole different way of doing things to what I'm used to because I grew yeah. up in theater. I was just going to ask you, have you gotten used to that? Is, is it bother you? Is it harder, easier sometimes? It's challenging in a different way. You know, I mean, the, there's, you, you have to work with people when you're on a set with just the camera. And this right. can be good. They're showing you drawings. Like, this is where you are. This is who you are. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But, like I said, I mean, working with people, if you're working with good people. It can ah, be yeah, it'd be really great. If yeah. you're not, then you think, ah, I'd rather be doing this alone on the green. <laughs> so there, there, there are challenges to both, I think. So mm. you've done kid ones and you've done those ones that are like really, like really shocker ones, M for mature and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. What do you have any hobbies that you do in your free time when you're not busy? Uh, I would say, well, everyone who knows me would say cooking is the is the thing I'm kind of I've I've even moved into that recently where I've hosted some uh, 
some global cookathon kind of thing where I will I'll show people. I had one where I had people in uh, Chicago, New York, Hong Kong, even, and we're all cooking the same meal at the same time, and I'm showing them how to do it. Which is, you know, with the new technology, this is fantastic. It's it's something. It's a real passion of mine, and to be able to share that is is fantastic. And it still has elements of performance. I mean, I'm not a showman when I'm doing this because I'm literally just. I'm more like a painter than an actor because yeah. I want my meal to be perfect. So. I'm probably not the best presenter for this, but <laughs> yeah. I always seem to like the food. So that's good. Yeah, I'm sure it's great content because you love it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, how many foodies uh, are out there everywhere? Yeah, the older I get, I've found that uh, I, I tend to make all my decisions based on quality of life. Is how is this going to enhance my life? And and this really does because the people are so happy that they managed to create this, you know, with with some help, with some guidance from me, but they literally did it themselves. And to see that thrill in someone that they managed to they they, they don't cook at all, but by following me, they managed to put together this amazing meal for their family. And, and also a lot of the time the, the people who I'm uh, cooking with are all connected in different ways. So this is like a reunion of sorts for them as well. Oh, that's great to see you use your success for such a beautiful thing. So um, let's say for instance, you got hit with this huge money bomb, right? And so you can do whatever you want now. You can make a movie even, you can do anything. What, what would you do? Uh, I think travel more than anything. I mean, I, I do love to get to different places and get to know different people, but, but that travel can be, you know, it may be to travel to, to learn a, a new flavor of cuisine. It may be to travel to make a movie of a script that I'm really passionate about, but, but I do like to, to, to get out and about and to experience the world and, and I think, it's a, you know, it's an old cliche, but travel broadens the mind. I yeah. mean, it really does. You, you tend to have more of an acceptance for people when you've, when you've lived among them. And that's why I, I always love doing movies that were abroad or in a different city or in a different rural area is because you don't, when you're, it's, it's different being a tourist to working in yeah. an <clears throat> and even though it's uh, you know can be short-lived I mean like when I went to Brazil I really feel like I have uh, an understanding of the Brazilian culture mm -hmm. more so than if I traveled there as a tourist but having mm -hmm. worked with and among Brazilian people you're kind of seeing them do their jobs you know as opposed to serve you <clears throat> it's a very different vibe is there anyone you admire, like, like who, if you, you had all this money, you say, hey, I'm doing this huge project, I want you to work with me. Is there anyone like that out there? Uh, I mean, there are plenty of people in, in fields all across, but I mean, they're, they're still, there are some actors that when I see them, I, I just think, like, how do you do that? I mean, I think uh, Judy Dench is, is one of my favorites I've, I've grown up with her she's been there my entire life and she's never ever not been brilliant 
Mm. <clears throat> I think uh, uh, Americans, uh, well, I, I also really like Gary Oldman. I think the way he's able <laughs> to transform himself yeah. with these different roles, because Gary Oldman to me is a very, a very unique actor in the sense that I look at his performances and I think, ah, he took it one step too far. He's a, mm -hmm. But I still believe him. And there, there's so many actors that just kind of ham it up and just take it that extra step too far. And it's ruined their performance, which is, which is actually, they, they, they have talent. They're, they're, mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with their talent. But, mm -hmm. but with him, he's, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody able to take a step or two beyond believable and still be believable. I totally agree. I mean, from Sid and Nancy, yeah. I watched that. I was just like, who is that guy who just pulled that off? And I mean, Sid Vicious, who's going to do that? Leon is, I mean, he's, his performance in that is, is just so, like, no actor would ever dare go there. Seriously. Seriously. And even we're talking about technology, even up to where he did A Christmas Carol. Did you see that? With Jim Carrey. Oh, in that, no. oh my gosh. He's Bob Cratchit. Ah. And for that movie, they, they, they kept their faces, the actors' faces. Mm -hmm. And it makes it, and you can see him acting. It's really, it's really a treat. But and even, you know. Yeah. Such a kind of. Eh, role. He's just the regular guy, and to be able to shine in these, and and this is a, another one I really admire. Actually, is Denzel Washington because oh, he of plays, course, yeah. In most movies, he plays the everyman. It does not matter. You you kind of look at those movies and think like, oh, he's a regular guy, and but he gives this like he, he portrays these really powerful emotions that once again, are really believable in what would be, as I say, just an everyman. He's... It's perfectly how you describe him. You go into this movie saying, it's about some guy, but he just comes out and you're like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. He just like, you didn't know how powerful the story was going in, you know, and he just, he just does it just all so well. And I mean, you can count probably on the fingers of one hand, the, the actor's who can do that, who can take a role that, you know, I, I, I've read a lot of scripts in my life, obviously, and, you know, there are some who's like, ah, with this role, what can you do to make it interesting without kind of showing off, without pulling focus away from the story and putting it on yourself and everything? And there are a handful of actors who can do that who mm -hmm. and just play those roles that don't jump off the page. I mean... As I say, when I did go, that role jumped off the bat. I mean, it was a very good script, but even particularly that role really jumped out. And, and I think that, you know, your, your Gary Oldman's, your Denzel Washington's, uh, these are people who can, can make, excuse me. No yeah. problem. Uh, these are people who can, who can make a, a, a very ordinary role extraordinary, I think. Well said, well said. Well, like uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah, uh, that, another one. The fugitive, yeah. right? Yes. Uh, that guy, you you think, uh, oh gosh, it's it's here here here's Mr. Star Wars comes in, <laughs> but no, he <laughs> he kills it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, he's a, a movie star. He's a handsome, athletic action <laughs> guy, and everything. <laughs> he was subtle. 
I like his subtlety yeah. style. Exactly. That you you didn't think he had that in him because he's such an action guy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. Well, so you worked on the on the fugitive? The, the TV original? show, yeah. Oh, the, the oh, yeah. TV show. Okay. Okay. What was that like? Uh well, it was it that was a guest star, so I was probably only there. Mm three to five days or something. And I believe that you're taking me back now. I believe You had a different accent too, no? Seattle. Yeah, I think that was. Yeah, I think you had an American <laughs> accent, no? Yeah. You're good, Mark. How'd you remember that? Oh, <laughs> no, it's good. available. You're... It's available, Desmond. You can watch it on YouTube. Oh, I don't oh that's know. awesome. I'll get depressed when I had hair. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, man. So what are your goals right now? <clears throat> uh, to, as I say, I think just to, to enhance, to, to everything I do, to think how, how can this make my life better for, for myself, my wife. We, we tend to, the first few years of our marriage, we, would, uh, we were both very ambitious and working very hard. And, and the last few years, we've kind of, gotten much more to eh, do we really need the money for doing this it's going to keep us apart or i'm not really mad on the project or the you know or my wife's projects or whatever so i'm not going to bother with this now i don't life's too short i mean we're mm. you know you get halfway through it and you really like wow it's halfway done already mm, um, yeah so now we tend to be a little bit more simple I think that's what sounds like you've got one of those great relationships everyone hopes to get. Uh, so you just, cele you just celebrated an anniversary, by yes, the way. Talk about years. that. 15 years. It was, uh, and it's flown by. But uh, what yeah, are her projects? I highly recommend if you to be happy in life, forget money, forget fame, just find your soulmate. That's <laughs> you'll be fine if you find your soulmate. And I know it's easier said than done, but. Yeah, when you do, it's, it just makes everything so much easier to know that you're now part of a team. I mean, a, a real team that both have, that, that has a common goal and, and, and common uh, values. And so it's, I mean, that's the, the, that there 15 years ago was the greatest day of my life and I haven't looked back. I'm so happy for the both of you. Bless your hearts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, anytime you guys have a project you want to promote or anything, let us know. Absolutely. We'd be happy to do a little video on it or just do a short on it or whatever you want to do. Well, We'd like to expand the, uh, the cooking thing, which uh, yeah. I'm, say I'm, I'm deep into at the moment. And I'm, I'm keeping it very small and people we know and word of mouth. And we're doing no advertising at all. But uh, if that does grow... It will be, I, I will, you'll be the first to know. Great. Yeah. Come back that's on. What I love, that's what I want to hear. Great. Great. <laughs> well, you got any more questions for our guest, Mark? No. Hey, this was just a thrill, Desmond. Uh, we are so delighted. It was wonderful. We really appreciate you being here. Great. Well, um, everyone, uh, please listen to Desmond. He has a lot of great advice for you. Please share and subscribe, hit the bell. And uh, thanks for being here. And thank you, Desmond. Thank you, And Desmond. Uh, come back anytime you want. I yes. can do another it was hour, an honor. I'm going to let you go. Easily. <laughs> thanks thanks so much.